Alexander Hefner, your host on The Open Mind. I'm delighted to welcome to our podcast today an adult film star and artist, Daisy Ducati. Welcome to the program. Hi. It's a pleasure to connect doing? with you. I'm, I'm doing well under the circumstances. How about you? I'm doing okay. Surviving. Uh, you know, Daisy, you have on your Twitter bio a quote that profoundly resonated with me. Um, and it's, it's from one of the great American poets, um, Langston Hughes. Oh, let America be America again, the land that never has been yet. And I was wondering if you could just riff on that quote as you see it um, in, in contemporary life today. I mean, I think that the writing of Langston Hughes is just as profound today as it was then. Like, we have this picture of the American dream and America being the land of the free. But for so many of us, it's still, there's still so much oppression, and so much fighting to be done. And we haven't really realized the true American dream yet. We haven't realized the dream or to quote Hughes again, has that dream just been deferred? Is it that we don't have the right dream or is it that the dream just keeps getting deferred? Yeah. I mean, I, there's so much uphill struggle that I think the dream definitely gets consistently deferred. It's deferred and it's evolved in American life in terms of how we understand that dream and, and what that dream means. And I think in your industry and in, in society broadly now in the United States, there's a coming to terms with what the aspirations of America are and what they can be in the future. But in the industry that you're in, um, do you think that there is an evolving understanding of what, what that dream is and does it match what society's understanding of the dream is broadly? I mean, I think for everyone, the dream is a little bit different. Um, it, it depends not only on industry, but generation and what people look to get out of their own lives. Um, but I don't know. Like it right now, it seems like the American dream is just to survive. You know, what's your sense of how we can restore equity today? Um, I mean, in terms of what and who, <laughs> you know, well, I mean, let's start with equity in, in um, entertainment, in the field you're in, but let's then maybe blow it up to equity more broadly in terms of wages, in terms of economic growth, in terms of education and enfranchisement. I mean, I think right now the biggest issue facing the adult industry is just our ability to earn a living doing what we do and with the situation with Pornhub and Visa and MasterCard um, coming after our different payment methods it's we're all out here just trying to survive and make a living in some really scary and unusual times and I think that 
taking away people's means of income is not solving anything or helping anyone. Um, I think that equity would be creating more opportunities for people to thrive and do well for themselves, especially in these unprecedented times. And uh, if people are finding a way to make a living safely at home, then why would we take that from them? You know, Um, I think that it's not saving anyone. It's not helping anyone. And it's actually making the problems that people say they're trying to solve more complicated and harder to solve. So um, I think that equity for the adult industry would look like opening more doors for us to make a living and do so safely. You know, freedom exists in the virtual platform in a way that it doesn't exist in most parts of the United States in real physical manifestation. That is to say that the kind of thing that you would consider prostitution um, or sex work online virtually, the the extent to which it is both legal and safe um, is rather mainstream and established. And there seems to be a very significant disconnect between what goes on virtually and what goes on in in person or in, in physical proximity to each other. And I don't know if if what is motivating the attacks on Pornhub and other entities is justified or not, but I can say, and maybe you would agree, that what has been going on for a long time virtually has been legal, even though it's not been legal in physical presence. So what's the, the real motivation behind the attacks is more of a moral attack than anything to actually help anyone. Um, The argument is that they're fighting trafficking. However, trafficking has been used as a term out of context as a blanket term for any sort of sex work. And it's in these groups that are anti-sex work, which sex work is kind of a blanket term for any work within the realm of sexuality. Um, But this term trafficking has been used to mean anyone that is working in sex work must not want to be there. And that's simply not the case. And I think that these attacks are just sort of a moral disagreement with what we do. And while there are actual victims out there that do need help, I think that taking down the platform that gives community and agency to make one's own living, I think that those actually tend to hurt victims that of actual victims that do need help and it takes away the platform for the community that can help people get out of those situations and can help identify what those situations are that do need to end. I think that, um, I think that there needs to be more pressure on, uh, 
that like for instance with the Pornhub situation if you want to in situations of trafficking and help victims of non-consensual content then you need to go after the people that are uploading and creating this content and put pressure on the platform to continually remove this content and not allow it and that's why before all this went down, there was a petition going around for Pornhub to only allow verified content from verified uploaders because they have this model program that um, requires everyone to be age verified and upload their ID and have their identity verified. And we were pushing to have them only allow content from verified users instead of having anyone upload any content and not have any responsibility for it and before the visa and mastercard pulled their support for Pornhub, uh they actually had just finally agreed to allow only verified content like days before and so i think that it was two steps forward and then three steps back in that situation there is freedom online that there hasn't been in any kind of legal way in any sort of organized fashion in, in person. And I don't know what your thoughts are on that fact, just the plain fact that you can engage in, in cyber sex basically, or cyber relations in a way and be compensated for it. And, and that is, legal in the platforms that you mentioned and in person what you would be doing from one camera to another camera it just it would not be technically legal and i wonder how you react to that just that fact i mean i'm a hundred percent in support of decriminalization of all types of sex work but um i think that online definitely creates a platform for things that are much more complicated in person. Um, and it does also create a, in some ways, a safer realm to engage in things that would be more risky in person. And especially right now with the pandemic and everything going on, I think that it's important to have that online platform that's lower risk and, more legal and more accessible for everyone. Twitter is one of the most liberating platforms on social media. And essentially any pornographic um, content, again, of consenting adults is permitted and has a universe of followers and retweets and favorites in a way that is not the case on Instagram or Facebook in a number of other major platforms, how, how would you describe the appeal of Twitter and what Twitter presents relative to those other platforms where um, pornography and frankly, even things that are risque, but not pornography are removed and those accounts are banned? Um, I think that Twitter is definitely an important hub for the industry. 
because they allow nudity and adult content. Um, I think that it's... I think that it's also important to pay attention to the ways that social media platforms are censoring people's free speech and freedom of expression. And even with Instagram, there is a setting you can choose to set your profile to be only available to people over the age of 18. However, you can still be banned from the platform for showing too much skin or I've had friends who are in the body mod community who have been banned for showing too much graphic body modification. Um, And it, that platform tends to censor the way that people express themselves. And I think it's important to pay attention to that because it's bigger than just the sex industry. It's freedom of speech. Um, So I think Twitter is unique in the sense that they do have some content rules to protect themselves against losing payment processors and to protect themselves legally. However, they pretty much are like, Hey, go ahead and express yourself and enjoy yourself and build your brand or whatever you're doing. Um, And I think that that's in America an important freedom. It's an important freedom. And I, I've been wanting to ask you, you this, what do you think would happen if America woke up one morning and porn ceased to exist? I think there'd be a lot of angry porn consumers, first of all. Um, (laughs) uh, I think that, oh man, there'd be a lot of frustrated people in the world. Um, But there would also be a lot of people struggling to survive those of us who make our living in the industry. I like, I, it's very strange to me how labor issues seem to get left out of the conversation regarding sex work often. And we're not seen as laborers. We're just seen as whores. You know, I think that it's important to acknowledge that this is an industry of people working to feed themselves. So if porn ceased to exist and, or ceased to be legal or was suddenly banned in some way, I think that there would be a lot of people struggling to make ends meet. So it's a labor issue and there is a consumer base that is seeking this. So there would be, psychological and social ramifications that I don't think that we've come to terms with during this pandemic, but it, it was documented in the last 24, 72 hours about at least one paramedic who did not um, make mm-hmm. ends meet through that vital medical care and was employing only fans to make ends meet. And of course, when we come back to that Langston Hughes quote, what kind of American dream is that where you can uh, potentially make more money in pornography, which is arguably an art. And that I think is a fair point, 
then in critical medical services during a pandemic, there's something maybe wrong with, with that dream, if that is the American dream right now. Yeah, I mean, there's something fundamentally wrong with the structure of our country that our first responders need a second job, period. <laughs> like, right. they they should be getting paid a living wage. And frankly, everyone who's working a job should be paid a, le- a living wage. There's something fundly, fundamentally wrong with the way that capitalism works in our society. And I think that one of the reasons that sex work is constantly under attack is because it's seen as a hack to capitalism. It's seen as a way to sort of work around the system and just hustle what you can hustle. When you think of an alliance of sex workers who could be able to promote an equity agenda within the industry, but also capitalize on successes within the industry in society more generally, um, are there ideas that you and some of your colleagues in the industry share about how you can help achieve that equity even beyond your own profession and perhaps in the process of doing that, make equity more achievable and make the industry more mainstream, even though if most people were to admit it, their use of porn is very mainstream and their perception of porn should be just as mainstream as their use. Yeah. I mean, I think the real bottom line here is that we as a society need to start acknowledging the labor that goes into creating porn and start viewing it as a valid industry. And I think that's really the root of a lot of the problems is that it's not viewed as a valid industry and it's not viewed as labor and it's seen as purely pleasure or just a hedonistic act. Whereas behind the scenes, there is actually a lot of work that goes into creating the content that people enjoy. And I think the first step to creating equity in the, in and around the industry is viewing that labor as such and acknowledging that that labor deserves to be paid for. And we deserve the same labor rights as any other industry. There, there's a lot of work and physical work and exertion of your body, much like an athletic activity. What do you think is the path for porn to be be viewed more in the vein of the athletic industry than something separate, something that doesn't entail bodily work. I mean, I, um, (laughs) there are definitely elements of sport in the sex industry. Um, and, but at the same time, I view it kind of more on par with the greater entertainment industry and, um, more along the lines of the film industry, I guess. Um, And it took years for performers in the film industry to be recognized as laborers and to form a union and to fight for their rights as laborers and to be able to limit the amount of time they're on set and set standard rates and things like that. So I think that 
it's a little bit easier to compare the sex industry to the film industry, if that makes sense. It does make sense. So how do you think we get there to a point where porn is perceived in the same light as one or both of those industries? Um, I think a part of that has to do with not conflating sex work with abuse and trafficking and to acknowledge the agency involved in being a sex worker and that people can willingly choose this work and potentially enjoy it. Um, I think that we need to acknowledge that adults consensually enter this industry and make their own choices and recognize that the abuse that is out there is not the same thing as the consensual sex work that's being done. Um, I think that's the first step to acknowledging the validity of the industry. As a final question, Daisy, that is a first step, but clearly given the suits against Pornhub and likely to follow other sites, we're we're going in the opposite direction right now. It seems like there's a further demonization of the porn industry at this particular cultural moment. Uh, Do you agree we're going in the wrong direction? And is there any quick or strategic way to to try to reverse course? And, And I don't, when I say we, I mean society right now, specifically American society. Yeah, I mean, we're definitely going in the wrong direction. What's going on now is akin to, like, when I worked at a coffee shop, if my manager grabbed my ass saying that all coffee shops are bad. Like, it's an instance of abuse needs to be handled on the basis of that instance and go after the abusers and go after the people that are perpetuating that abuse. However, it doesn't make the entire industry bad. Um, I think that we need to acknowledge and address abuse on a case-by-case basis and also utilize the community that has built up and evolved to identify these instances of abuse and deal with them accordingly. Um, Like, I personally have found a great sense of community as a sex worker and with the people I've met online through this industry and I have been able to personally help people uh, identify what is and is not abuse and help people find the agency to leave these situations of abuse and to go off on their own and do well on their own and not have to subject themselves to these situations. So I think that it's important to utilize the community and build the community up instead of breaking it down and sending it underground. Daisy Ducati, oh, let America be what it can be, even what it hasn't been. I thank you for your insight today and for sharing your story with our listeners. It was great talking to you.